morning, everyone, and welcome back to Day 3 of Homeschool.com's 2008 Winter Teleconference. My name is Rebecca Kokenderfer, and I will be your host for this event. Our first interview this morning is with The Five Browns. The Five Browns, Ryan, Melody, Gregory, Deandra, and Desiree, are the sons and daughters of Keith and Lisa Brown from Utah, who wanted their Mormon children to have music in their lives. The goal was to raise five good people. Not only did they achieve their goal, but they also managed to raise five great pianists. Each child at around age three showed a clear talent and interest in piano lessons, and while the children were introduced to other instruments, their passion was the piano. Playing came as naturally to them as eating or sleeping, and as early as age nine, they had each made their debut with a major symphony orchestra, a major payoff for the hours of practice and dedication the entire family had devoted. All five children homeschooled and then went on at a young age to attend New York's Juilliard School, the first family of five siblings ever accepted simultaneously. And so the entire Brown family, along with their five pianos, moved from Utah to New York, where a few years later they signed a record deal with Sony, recorded three CDs, each spending time at number one on Billboard's classical chart, and set out on a national and international concert tours. So we are going to start out our interview today by speaking with the parents, Keith and Lisa Brown, and then halfway through our call, um, the five Browns are going to come on. They are on a national tour right now, and of course we're so delighted and honored to have them with us. So Keith and Lisa, thank you very much for allowing us to interview you today. We're quite honored. Oh, you're more than welcome. We're honored to be uh, included in such a, a wonderful group of people. And thank you very much. Well, why don't we start out? I have some questions for you, and then I'd like to take some uh, questions from our callers. Uh, the first question I have for you is, uh, why did you decide to start homeschooling your children? Well, for us, it may have been uh, different than than a lot of people. It, it was just an issue of time. Uh, the the kids, as they got a little a little bit older, like into uh, well into well, the oldest being well into elementary school. Uh, she was practicing about three hours a day, and it ranged. Uh, there's only six and a half years between the five of them. So the youngest, when she was, when the oldest was 11, the youngest was five, um, and they were ranging from the youngest about maybe an hour and a half a day, and the oldest about three hours a day, and um, trying to fit all that in with school. They, we were getting up like at at uh, four. 45 in the morning and would have like a scripture study time with them for 45 minutes and then they'd uh, hop on the pianos that we had. I think we had three at the time and um, and they'd, they'd all cram half to practice time in, stuff breakfast down. We couldn't put them on the bus because it would waste too much time and then so I'd take them to school and the school would complain if they were, I'm not joking, 30 seconds late and uh, and then they'd go snail's pace for the next seven hours and then come back uh, home and and finish the other half of their practicing, which was never a set time. It was just what it took to get through the the teacher's assignments uh, uh, on the, the music. And uh, and then I'd help them uh, go over their their homework, make sure that they had understood it well. And and then they had to eat dinner and go to bed so early because they were getting up so early. I mean, going to bed like at 7:30 to get up again the next morning at 4:45. And we were just started worrying. Uh, we as parents started worrying about the kids, uh, you know, having like a a, a normal life um, and, and not so stressed. So, 
and, and balance. So we decided, um, uh, actually, someone, uh, Lisa's parents, were uh, checking into homeschooling for <clears throat> for her younger two sisters, and and we thought that was kind of uh, kind of you know a little a little crazy to consider um, at first. That um, we we had never really heard much about homeschooling. But we went to the homeschooling seminar in, in Houston, Texas, where all the kids were born and where we were living at the time. And, uh, wow, we, we were kind of impressed uh, with a lot of the, the things. You know, I mean, lots of good curricula and, and ideas. And we thought, hey, maybe this will, will be an answer to our prayers and uh, concerns. And so we thought, well, you know, hey, it's, uh, it's coming on to the end of the school year. We'll just try it for the summer. If it doesn't work, well, Shoot, you know, nothing, nothing lost, no harm done. We just go back to school and fall. We tried it for the summer, and it was amazing how how much more relaxed our family life was. Uh, the scheduling, the kids could be done uh, with everything by like two or three in the afternoon, and go out swimming, riding bikes with friends, and having a great time. And it just uh, we realized that it was a really good fit for our family. I mean, that doesn't mean to say that it would be a perfect fit for every family, but for our family, it was it, it really worked out well. How long did you homeschool, and did you use a particular curricula or follow a particular style of homeschooling? Uh, we homeschooled that, uh, at the time that I just told you about. Uh, the oldest was um, eleven, um, about eleven and a half, and uh, we homes and, and the youngest, like I said, was five, and we homeschooled from that time on. So for Desiree. Uh, all of her junior high and high school was uh, done in homeschooling. For Ryan, he never knew a public school. Uh, he, uh, Lisa taught him to read and everything from that point uh, on. <clears throat> and, uh, and as for um, what curriculum we chose, um, we really liked uh, the uh, Calvert School um, out of Baltimore because the, the uh, Lesson plan was so well organized, day by day, lesson plan, a manual for the teachers to follow, read these questions, do these answers, so you can grade it yourself or you can send it in. Uh, obviously, in my opinion, there's no homework involved because homework is just to teach, uh, to convince a, a teacher uh, that uh, your child understands the material. And uh, so I would know that in five minutes. So anyway, so that that's... Uh, so. So that's how we did it. We did it for all those years, for Ryan, all 12 years. Do you want to tell us the name of that, that cover school, that curriculum in Baltimore? Uh, uh, it's a Calvert. I didn't say that very clearly. Calvert School. It's a Calvert it's curriculum. C-A-L-V-E-R-T. And uh, they only run from kindergarten through uh, eighth grade, I believe. Um, and then after that, we moved into the American School which was uh, out of, uh, I think it was initially Chicago, but they changed to uh, a little ways away to Lansing, um, uh, Illinois, not Lansing, Michigan, Lansing, Illinois, as I believe where they are located. And, uh, and they're both very well-accredited schools, and uh, so it kind of prepares a, uh, a paper trail, you might say, when it comes to getting into to universities. Um, so Paulini, who wrote Aragon, he also used the American School curriculum. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's just working on his third book. Wow, yeah, that's really impressive. Now, non-homeschoolers worry about socialization, and as homeschoolers we tend to roll our eyes about that. But was socialization ever an issue when you were homeschooling? 
Um, no, this is Lisa. I, you know, I we never had that uh, problem. We were, I think, the balance of um, of trying to balance their music and schooling. I, one of the things I was very conscious of was exactly that. I wanted to make sure they had enough time to uh, play with their friends because we were lucky enough in our neighborhoods to have quite a few children. And whether you went to school with them or not, we we were very outgoing and and through church as well. There were a lot of youth that they could keep contact with. And then also since they're very close in age, with the five of them only being six and a half years, they tend to do everything together anyway. So their friends, whenever they would adopt friends into their little five-kid group going on there, it would just be an extension of the five Browns back in the old days, even though we weren't the five Browns. But they would just uh, include their friends in with the rest of their siblings, and it was really a lot of fun. It tended to be uh, everybody congregated at our house. We tend to have a lot of fun things for kids to do, and I guess there was a lot of energy here. So friends would come over to our house, and it was actually a very good years. Those were wonderful years for us. What was a typical homeschooling day like for your family? Uh, well, after, as I described, before doing homeschooling, it was horrendous. But after that, it was much better. We started, I, um, I answer, I'm answering um, several of these questions because I uh, generally oversaw the homeschooling, unlike maybe most families where the wife does. Uh, but I arranged my schedule to leave uh, um, to work at about 9.30 or 10 and um, and then Lisa would take over the rest of the homeschooling from then, which was more in the area of uh, literature and uh, and writing and music, uh, with the emphasis on music and art. But uh, back to the the schedule, we would wake up about 6:30 roughly, and um, and uh, we would have what we called family morning, which was like a scripture study, current events type of time, uh, tying in stories in the scriptures to real-life events uh, and choices that people make in the news. And that would last for 30 or 45 minutes, and then uh, then would start school, 7, 7.15, and they'd hit... Uh, uh, I, I was actually, uh, <laughs> at one point in my life growing up, for about a year, I lived in a very, very small town that was a one-room schoolhouse, and uh, all five grades were in one room. And I saw firsthand a, a very talented teacher um, in the mountains of uh, Southern California go from row to row and had uh, five grades, one in each row, and work with one, give them assignment, and then go to the next, come back and answer questions. And so I kind of patterned it after what I saw as a kid in, uh, in I think that was third grade. Uh, I remember being in that one-room schoolhouse when they uh, got news that uh, – that John F. Kennedy was assassinated, as a matter of fact, just comes to my mind. But anyway, so um, so that's how we kind of patterned it uh, with with um, me homeschooling the kids, and I would go to each of them individually, go over things, uh, give an assignment to do some work or read something, and then go to the next, and then to the next, and then back to the first, and and it seemed to work out just fine. And we'd do that for um, about uh, um, three hours, but we would break in the middle. Uh, for breakfast, and but the school didn't end during breakfast. Um, we would uh, we got a TV, a small TV on the kitchen counter, and uh, while I was making breakfast, uh, and while the kids were eating breakfast, they would uh, watch CNN news, and they would get uh, the latest sports teams and what the stock market was doing, international affairs, uh, politics, 
uh, current events and disasters going on around the world. It was like really great and also sparked uh, other interesting discussions for the second half of school. Um, and, you know, like if it was a, a, like this year, like a, a political uh, election year, then we would go over uh, things that we, they would hear on the news and, and I would uh, um, ex- expound on it and explain, you know, the electoral college and, and uh, how you can win a, lose a, uh, win a, um, a popular vote and, and lose an electoral vote and all, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so it ended up being quite an enjoyable time and I have to say, I had the rare opportunity that most fathers don't to really get to know my kids, their strengths, their weaknesses, to develop a, a deeper relationship. And in homeschooling, we actually can attribute to a, a lot of side benefits that we didn't actually think about at, at the time, and not the least of which is we didn't have to take vacations in the summer when it's hot and everything is crowded. We could go whenever we chose. Your children are, you had five children that are about six years apart, so they're pretty close together in age. So um, how old were your children when they went off to Juilliard? And, and were you ever worried about the children being so young when they were in college? Um, the, the first two daughters were the ones to go off together. Um, I think uh, they were only a year and, well, I guess 14 months apart, Desiree and Deandra. And so... When they went to school together, Deandra finished up her year early and in high school work with Desiree so that they could be together and not have to go off to any big city alone. And then after that, they said it was so wonderful that um, the same teachers, I mean, every experience was exactly the same in what they called the pre-college program of Juilliard, which was very similar to the college undergraduate work. And they said we should come and audition and I thought, well, no way, but we went ahead and auditioned, and Gregory Melody and Ryan did a very good job. At the time, they were like 11, and I can't remember their ages, uh, Ryan, 11, 13, and 15 or something, maybe 14? 14, 14, 15, something like that. Something like that, and they all three got in with the top three scholarships in the pre-college program. So we were like, whoa, what do we do now? We they have a situation there that uh, they don't allow their pre-college students to not be uh, represented or at least chaperoned by a um, some kind of family member or whatever. So we all decided to move out there to stay together. And uh, it was young, but they accommodate young ones in the pre-college program as young as 10. And they have to re-audition during, when they get to the college program level, they have to re-audition and then get back into it. And then even for master's or graduate programs, they have to also re-audition. So they have really well-structured programs that help with that. And I know Keith could add, too, about the homeschooling benefit actually was a benefit to our kids, the ones that decided to go on to um, exchange programs at Columbia that are offered from Juilliard. And all, uh, I think four of the five were able to do that because uh, Ryan didn't quite get to finish up with enough of his work since he's had to pull out for for all of the um, touring schedule we have right now. He's got a year left uh, of undergrad work. But it was a wonderful exchange program at at, uh, Columbia where you could take any of your humanities courses over there. If your grades were good enough for the first few years at Juilliard, you can expand over there. Did you want to add something with that? Well, it's kind of funny because the kids always wondered, uh, you know, did we really get a good enough education um, through homeschooling? It was always in the back of their mind, you know, uh, because it wasn't your your, your regular public school arrangement. 
But uh, when they went to Columbia University um, in the exchange program, um, they were able. It made them feel real proud that they were able to. Uh, they all got A's um, in their courses with some of the nation's brightest kids. And so they, I remember them coming back and saying, "You know, Dad, I guess it, homeschool worked out all right. Um, you know, we were able to compete with uh, with some really bright kids." And and uh, I think probably the biggest uh, the biggest thing that I tried to, to um, achieve in, in homeschooling the kids was to get them to think. Because if you get a kid to think and to be able to write, then they can compete and do virtually any level of work that's put in front of them um, and instead of doing like a lot of the public schools where it's just regurgitation of material, of information, but never really absorbing and being able to think and analyze what it is you're working with. So I think it worked out well, and I think the kids were happy that they were able to compete at a higher level after homeschooling. Let me make sure I understand that. So you used a homeschooling curriculum when the children were younger, and then you must have had them accelerating quickly through that curriculum. Did they complete like all of the high school requirements before they did the pre-college classes at Juilliard, or, or does pre-college at Juilliard mean high school? Uh, Pre-college at Juilliard is only done on a couple of days a week and uh, most of it on Saturday. Um, and so our homeschooling continued through the Juilliard pre-college years. Um, Melody auditioned for Juilliard's college division as a 15-year-old and was accepted, uh, turned 16 before the school year started and was one of the youngest uh, in the school's history, I believe, um, to start. Uh, and they required, uh, the state of New York required a, a GED um, and uh, to show uh, acceptance in order to, uh, to give a, a, GD, a GED uh, certificate. So she had to go in and take that, uh, as did Gregory, because they started uh, uh, too young. Um, so, and, and Ryan took the ACT. Um, because he chose to, after pre Juilliard's pre-college five years, he chose to switch, uh, the rebel of the family, I guess, to switch to uh, Juilliard's big rival uh, a couple of miles uptown in the Ma Manhattan School of Music with a, another wonderful teacher. So he did his college there and had to uh, take the ACT test as part of their requirement um, to... Um, to get in, and, uh, and and so that that's how that occurred, um, as you were asking. Okay, so all of your children then took the GED then, and then they yes, and they auditioned for Juilliard. Does Juilliard offer history and science those type of academic subjects, or or did you mention Columbia is where they went to get the academics? Um, it does. Juilliard is does not uh, require, or in their curriculum, they do not have like. For instance, they don't have American history. Instead, they'll have the history of American composers in music or other uh, factors. They won't have world history. They'll have the, the, uh, the history of the great composers of the world. So it's all dealing toward uh, um, uh, music issues instead of um, you know the regular things. However, they do have their um, humanities courses, which were, are very, very in-depth. Um, of studying the the, the old uh, uh, classics in literature and mythology and uh, political systems and the, the like, um, and those courses, if you do well the first two years, then you can apply to do uh, this um, transfer uh, arrangement 
if you're accepted into Columbia to do your courses there, and that's what uh, Lisa was referring to. Oh, so they were like they were going to Juilliard and to Columbia at the same time. That's correct, uh, concurrently, and and they they could take, for instance, political science, uh, which they did uh, at, uh, at Columbia University, and comparative, uh, comparative religion now. courses, or uh, most any of the the humanities courses they could take at Columbia. Did your children spend four years at Juilliard? Uh, yes, Juilliard's program is four years in the undergrad and then two years in the master's. Um, so four of the five spent six years there. Uh, Gregory has currently decided to go back to school um, in uh, a doctorate in, uh, it's called a DMA, uh, Doctor of Musical Arts um, in uh, Piano Performance. So he is currently in his first year uh, doing that. Uh, so we're kind of surprised about that. What other types of programs does Juilliard have in addition to piano? Well, originally Juilliard was just a music school back when it started in the late 1800s, but, but uh, music meaning all the instruments and voice. Then they added uh, uh, drama and dance, and so, I mean, some of the greatest actors that you'll see in movies and on, uh, in, on TV and stuff are uh, are. Juilliard drama students. I mean, it's so funny to watch my kids go to movies and watch TV and see their classmates <laughs> from their Juilliard years. It's music, dance, and drama. Very small school, about eight eight hundred kids, and that's including the uh, graduate and doctoral students in in music. Uh, eight hundred students in music, dance, and drama. Um, each freshman class is about seventy five or eighty students, uh, and again, music, dance, and drama, and um, they don't have a master's uh, or you know graduate or postgraduate degrees in the dance and the drama, just the music. Um, but uh, it's great to, for them to be exposed to as musicians to go to to plays and to to dance performances with their classmates. Some of the times they have music and dance combined, where like uh, Deandra and Desiree were performing a duo piano. Um, uh, deal for for dance students as they were dancing on the stage. A great experience to to be exposed to opera and so many other areas other than just their instrument. And how nice that the whole family was able to relocate to New York so you could stay together. Uh, it was really great. Yeah, I mean, uh, we couldn't just leave all our kids in New York and have right, us in it was Utah. Only Twelve years old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but it was wonderful for them to have lunch together and and have uh, mutual friends. Uh, you know, hang out in the halls, and we had a, we were very blessed, and it made us worry less as parents. You know, the the big city of New York, and uh, sometimes a, a good kid can get eaten alive in the environment. And fortunately, we had. Uh, each of them to look out for each other and a good support system, like Lisa said, especially in the concerns that occurred at uh, September 11th. All five of them were there, and we were in Utah, and that was a big concern for us. Uh, but fortunately, they, they had each other, and things went fine. What did your children do after Juilliard? Um, well, while they were in school is when all this happened with the five Browns. I mean, they were in school as soloists. Uh, and, and then suddenly, uh, it, I think it started with the BBC, um, heard that there were five siblings at Juilliard, and they sent a news crew over and, and, and did a story, and that spread to the London Telegraph, which spread to the New York Times, and then to Oprah and Jay Leno and People Magazine and 60 Minutes, and it just... We thought it was like this 15 minutes of fame deal, and it just didn't end. Uh, 
and here we are like uh, four years later and it's still going really strongly with concerts all over the world and that's why Ryan had to leave uh, with one year left at Manhattan School of Music just too much recording and too many concerts they, where they all have to be in one location but uh, so that happened while they were in school um, uh, that that they uh, were kind of uh, noticed by a, a manager and, uh, and he ended up getting a, a record deal with Sony BMG and and then all of a sudden everything just happened in a line. Next thing you know, they're playing for 65,000 people at uh, the Rose Bowl for the 4th of July. I mean, it's, it's been kind of crazy, but they are now uh, professional concert artists and, uh, and recording artists, and, and, uh, and all of them are, are now here in Utah. Now, I understand that you're out on a national tour now, and you even have a concert tonight, according to one of our callers. Uh, yes, the, uh, the Five Browns are in uh, Marion, Illinois, tonight and they have uh, uh, a whole series of concerts in the uh, in the Midwest and and uh, it's um, it, it's probably nine out of ten of the concerts are sold out they're probably getting about a third of the audience that are grade school to college age which is what they set out to try to do to bring new people into into the classical uh, concerts and and especially younger kids uh, it, it seems that all the classical artists are like uh, like older people, and there's this big disconnect uh, where you have a 12, 14-year-old uh, boy or girl that, that it's just kind of hard for them to relate to a, a, a phenomenal 65-year-old uh, concert artist. But for, for the Five Browns, uh, they, they try to, uh, to be who they are. They dress youthfully like they do. They go to movies. They play video games. They, you know, they go uh, dancing. They like to listen to pop music and and uh, jazz, and, you know, they, they're just regular kids, and I think there's somehow the, the public is attached to that, and uh, so things have gone real well for them. What is um, life like now for your children? How old are they? Are they uh, married? Um, you know, how, do, how are they incorporating these musical tours in with their everyday life? Uh, that's an interesting uh, question because, three of the five, my three daughters, uh, with my youngest daughter being just recently married. So three of the five are married. My youngest son, Ryan, he's engaged. So even among uh, all these this busy concert tours, when they're either were home in Utah or in New York going to school, they had time to date. It was tight. They had tight schedules, and now it's even tighter and harder to meet folks. But still, they've met a lot of kids at different concerts and different speaking engagements. So Somehow, and outreach programs as well, somehow they have been able to meet other young people and now get married. Well, that's an interesting concept of how to work the schedules. Luckily, the girls' husbands, uh, one of them is a professional musician who understands the uh, demands of a rigorous music career, and he also has one too. And the other two husbands are busy in school. So while they're, like, in busy with their schooling, my kids are touring, and they try to make their schedules match up as well as possible to uh, be home with their husbands. Two weeks gone, at least two weeks home, but sometimes even more than that, especially over the Christmas holiday. They get about a month. So anyway, they've worked, uh, I think, brilliantly have worked around everybody's schedules to accommodate these uh, marriages, and along with that, the husbands knew what they were getting into pretty much 
when they married these kids or were dating them. So it's been kind of a fun thing adding on to the family. And I might add one thing that now we move into, you know, uh, although they look like they're 19, 20, 21, uh, Desiree is just turning 29 this week. Ryan is uh, is tw- uh, going on 23. And so the older two girls are obviously now uh, looking pretty seriously at, uh, at time to start the family, uh, which could happen actually any time. <laughs> so, I mean, get started any time. But um, so, so we'll have more adjustments along the way as we cut down the schedule to 10 days out and three weeks home to try to accommodate uh, being, uh, being parents, uh, for us being grandparents. And Keith, are you their uh, manager? Do you travel with them on tour? Uh, they have a manager, Joel Diamond, who got the, most of this started with the help of Lisa and me. He asked us to be co-managers with him from the beginning. And um, I usually uh, was going out for the past three years, going out with them in concert, overseeing the, the movement of the five pianos and making sure they had hotels and, and got, got enough sleep and, uh, and <laughs> food and generally getting along. But they are... Uh, so um, adept at it now that, for instance, this uh, next 10 days that they're out in the Midwest, they they're by themselves. They they kind of know the know the ropes. Uh, they're they're not they're not little kids anymore. So they're uh, adults and professional uh, concert artists, and so they they handle things very very professionally on their own. The first year and a half, uh, we were all together trying to figure things out. It seemed like it took all seven of us to get everything done, and now it's like. You know, like a fine oiled machine, it, you know, we've been able to uh, get things working faster, easier, and more complete, so it takes less people. <laughs> However, we still go out with them, like uh, oh, this past good. September, to Japan and to Korea. Um, they've got concerts in Mexico in April coming up, and uh, next April or May in Scandinavia, uh, not to mention all the concerts across the country. But uh, we, generally, the, we'll, like yeah, they sometimes are with orchestras, and we'll try to go to those. So we just go occasionally. So your three CDs, the five Browns, are at the top of the classical charts. What new projects are you working on now? And how can people um, buy the CDs and sign up for the concerts? Hey, actually, the five of us are here now. We're in a hotel room in uh, Illinois, and so we're just joining you right now. So, hello. Hello. Perfect timing. Welcome. That was great timing, because I was just going to say, you know, that's probably a question that the kids should answer. So, I think we'll just kind of, uh, Lisa and I say, thank you very much, and sign off, and let you move forward uh, with our our wonderful children that we're so proud of. We love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. All right, this is Melody, and yes, we're, we've been really excited. We just released our third album um, called Browns and Blue, and it's a little bit different from our other albums. It's a little more um, introspective, and uh, kind of everything has sort of a blue mood to it um, with great pieces, romantic works like Chopin and and um, Debussy, and then other, other more bluesy things like Gershwin and different things like that. So it's a lot of fun. We're really excited about it. I'd like to open up the call pretty soon and take some personal questions from our callers. And before we do so, I, I have a couple of uh, personal questions for you as well from a parent's perspective. Uh, my 14-year-old daughter is a dancer, and she's interested in going to Juilliard. And I think some of our callers may be in the same situation. What advice would you have for her if you have a, uh, a dancer or a, a musician or an actor who wants to go to Juilliard? What is your advice for that? 
Oh, this is Desiree. You know, I would just start to prepare, you know, two, three years in advance and uh, check out what the audition requirements are because you will need a couple of years to really feel comfortable with what the requirements will be. You know, for musicians, we go in and we have to play about an hour's worth of music in front of the faculty. So it's a high-stress situation. You want to get used to performing in front of people, know the repertoire, the pieces you're going to play well in advance of the audition. Um, so I think just giving yourself, you know, two or three years of knowing what the requirements will be and preparing that way will really help a person go in and do their best. And your father had suggested that, you know, why not have them aim for Juilliard? Because the standards are so high, even if they don't get into Juilliard, boy, they can pretty much get into anywhere else because they would have set the bar so high. Would you agree with that? This is Gregory. Yeah, sure. I mean, Juilliard is a great school, and it's always, um, you know, it's one of the best in the world, and it's always uh, you know, good to shoot for the top. And then if that doesn't work out, like like you said, then there's, there's always a bunch more options. And that's, you know, that, that's what the five of us actually did. You know, we, we auditioned not only at Juilliard but at a few other schools as well just to make sure that we had backups. <laughs> it's always good to have backups. Yep. <laughs> uh, my youngest daughter is 11, and she used to love playing the piano and seemed to really have a talent for it. I remember when she was just a little girl, we went to see the first Harry Potter movie, and she came back and fingered out the theme song on the piano. But since then, she's lost interest, and I have not been able to get her to take piano lessons again. Any advice on what I could do about that? Um, this is Deandra. Um, did you say you're, she's 11 years old? Is that she's right? 11 now. Yeah, I mean, once you start getting to that age where they're you know, approaching their teenage years, it's always a time where they have to reevaluate and decide, you know, what they want to do with their lives. And you as a parent can't really be, you know, pushing them so much anymore. And so I think a, a big part of it is just, you know, even if she doesn't decide to take up the piano to the extent that we did, just appreciating the piano and going to different concerts, orchestra concerts and piano recitals, and just being able to appreciate this type of music I think is, is almost more important than anything. And then maybe at some point she'll want to on her own come back to the piano instead of, you know, it being something that um, is completely coming from, you know, maybe her parents or something. So it's, I think a big part of it is just to be able to have a respect for the music and appreciate everything that it has to offer. It's tough because you see them having a talent, but you don't want to force it. But I like your idea of taking her to the concerts and the recitals because that way I would be exposing her to that opportunity and to the excitement of that, and then it becomes her choice. Exactly. And um, as a teacher myself, I teach a few students, and um, I always try to push them to go see different concerts and to have an appreciation for it outside of their own little practice room. I think it makes so much more sense what, you know, the bigger goals are if they can see, you know, as many concerts as possible. And even, you know, different things like ballet and, and opera and different types of, of classical music environments I think are great for them. Excellent suggestion. Callers, I want to open up the call early so that you can speak with this wonderful family yourselves. I know you have a lot of questions about um, how to instill this love of music or dance or drama in your own children. Perhaps they can give you advice on Juilliard or the Manhattan School of Music, Columbia. You name it, this is a great opportunity. Um, our lines are full, so please mute out your personal phone. And to do that, you press star six. So star six will mute your phone. And then when you want to ask a question, press star six again. And if there's a lot of noise, I'll go back into this nice, quiet uh, teleconference mode. I may even repeat the question just to make sure that everyone can hear it and to make sure we get a good, clean recording. Okay, callers, so here we go. Thank you very much. Star six is muting out your 
individual phone. Wonderful. And we can take the first question now, please. We're talking with the five Browns. Sometimes it takes a moment to come down because there's so many people on the call. There you go. First question, please. And don't be shy because it enhances the experience for everyone. Hi, I'll ask about Suzuki. Um, I'm assuming that if you all started at age three, that you probably used the Suzuki method. And I'm wondering, um, now that you've gone through that process, is that the method that you have chosen to teach? Or do you have a more eclectic, eclectic approach um, with traditional methods as well? I'm going to repeat that question, please. Our caller is asking about the Suzuki method. Is that the method that you used, and would you recommend it? Uh, this is Desiree. Yeah, all of us started with the Suzuki method, um, and it was a great way to start. And even with our own students, we kind of start with the Suzuki method for the first year or so. And then I think it's a pretty good idea to branch out into start learning different repertoire you, um, and, and to start reading more music. Um, it's because one of the downfalls of staying with the Suzuki method too long is it really starts to hamper your, your sight reading ability. Um, but it was a great way to start. It got us involved, and our teacher really would put stories to the music and get us emotionally involved, and it's a great way to start young children right off being able to play the piano. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Next question, please. Hello, my name's Hannah. Um, I'm 12 years old. Uh, I just I I have a really big passion for music and the piano. Um, but we have a problem because my dad has a pretty bad back, and we can't afford any lessons. Oh, Hannah, thank you very much for that question. Uh, callers, there's someone who has a TV on in the background. Would you be so kind as to mute out your phone, please? I also have a pretty big passion for opera. But since my dad is out of work, I am not able to take lessons. Um, do you have any places that might be like free? Hannah, I'm going to go into the quiet conference mode and repeat your question, okay, so that everyone can hear it, because it's an excellent question. So um, Hannah said that her uh, father hurt her back, and he's unemployed right now, and she's very interested in opera and wants to take, I believe she said, piano lessons, but uh, doesn't have the money for that right now, and is wondering if you have any suggestions. Um, this is Deandra. Um, oh, if you have a passion for it, that's, um, you know, obviously you're trying to do whatever you can to be able to fulfill that. Um, I would say just try to call around and, and and see if there's any way that you can, you know, trade something for piano lessons. Like I know um, some of my students at some point when I have children have talked about, you know, maybe switching off some babysitting for me, you know, teaching them piano lessons or something that you can give in return that maybe that, that might be uh, an option for you or maybe, you know, just trying to, to talk to somebody and see if they can give you, like, um, a lesson every few weeks or something. Um, just something that that people would be able to work with under you know the circumstances that you're under. I don't know. That's a that's a really tough one. This is Desiree. You know something that might give you some hope. If I had a student who came to me and said, 
I have such a passion for this. I will practice however much you want. I am so committed. I want to go very far with this. I would be, it would be really hard for me to turn that student away, even if they said, I can't afford it, but maybe I can trade, like DeAndre was saying, babysitting or something. Um, so I would audition for different teachers or just go talk to them and say, I have such a desire. Would you be willing to take me? I bet you somebody will. What about software programs? Are there online uh, classes, free online lessons, or affordable software programs that work, or does it really need to be a personal one-on-one -on -one with a teacher? Uh, this is Gregory. Uh, you know, I'm not so sure about those those online things. I, I think it, re it really helps to be able to have that one-on-one -on -one interaction. Um, it's kind of hard, um, really, to learn anything on your own. I know. I, I know. For me, I tried learning uh, a language on my own. Uh, I, I tried learning Chinese over this different software that I bought, and it was like basically impossible. And you know, music is sort of the same. You know, it's it's basically another language that kids are going to be learning. And um, unless they really have someone who can actually answer their questions and uh, help them work out, out the problems that they're having, um, it, I think it's very important. And, you know, I, I had the same experience. I'm trying to learn the guitar, and I finished book one on my own, but now I realize I need outside help, so I'm signing up for some classes. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I did with Chinese, too. <laughs> well, that's an excellent question. Did you, did you have a follow-up question, or did you get the information you need? Follow-up question. Um, yes, and speak as loudly as you can, please, just because there's so many people on the call. Okay. Um, for my opera, I am, for uh, a lot of people, I am too young to take opera classes until I'm 14. So how would I be able to get into classes if I'm not at that age? You want to take opera lessons, um, and you said normally the age is 14, but you're... 12, and, and when you talk about opera lessons, do you mean singing? Yes. Okay, I'm going to go back into the quiet mode. Did you hear her question? We did, and this is Melody. And, you know, actually a good way to start in that, since she's not old enough, um, is actually to start in the piano and start training singing with the piano so that she knows where her voice falls and, you know, where, um, because the piano is a really good place to be in tune with. And so, for instance, if she can train her voice with the piano and being in tune and training it at an earlier age on her own, then by the time she's 14, she'll be heads and tails above a lot of others. And this is Desiree. Just getting a basic knowledge of the piano would be a good place to start as well because you'll start to learn about, you know, some of the basics of harmony and melody because eventually if you decide to go take your study opera in high school and college, they'll make you end up having some key learning some keyboard skills anyway. So this will just get you ahead of the game. This question is for um, all of you. In addition to playing the piano, do you play other instruments too? Uh, this is Ryan. Actually, uh, we don't. Um, uh, all of a sudden, I'll start on the piano, and we kind of just stuck with it. Uh, my parents tried uh, to give us some other instruments, like a guitar, flute, and a few other things, but we just... Didn't really uh, take to those as well as we did to the piano. Um, so, yeah, uh, piano is our passion. But you, so, but you have been passionate about the piano all the time, and you never felt forced to practice or to take lessons? This is Gregory. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a tricky question because when, you know, when you're a little kid, of course, you know, what kid is not going to want to go out and, like, play with their friends and, like, climb trees and stuff rather than, than practice? Um, but for us, we started at such an early age that it, it was such – it was almost like a way of life, you know. You 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 uh, wake up, you eat, you you do your school, and you practice piano, and you know, it's just a part of the daily routine. 
And, uh, you know, for, for me as a kid, the thing that really kept me going, um, you know, in, even though the practicing was a little bit um, hard at times, was uh, the performing aspect. I would, um, you know, I would take my pieces and play them either for my friends or, or for neighbors. Or we would, in, we, as kids, a lot of times we entered a lot of different competitions. And um, that performing aspect of the piano was what I really loved. Uh, and so, and it kind of kept me going. That positive reinforcement from those I was playing for. So that would be my uh, my suggestion: was just is find what it is that you really love about music and do that. Probably it's going to be performing. Now, what are you going to do if, when you have children, they're not drawn um, to the piano or to music? Um, this is Desiree. You know, if they want to be tennis players or football players or you know something totally different, I would be totally supportive. I think focusing on something. Helps with the person's self-esteem and helps them learn the work ethic. But if they have a passion for something else, I, I would be totally supportive. If they, but I would also maybe start them in music just to give them that option. Um, so later on down the road, if they do decide to go into music, that would also be an option. And of course, with role model parenting, that's what they're going to see you enjoying. You know, children read who see their parents reading, so it might be natural that they're going to be drawn to music since their parents are so musical. Maybe, or maybe there'll just be so much music around that they'll just want to go the complete opposite direction. Who knows? <laughs> and sometimes when a child is learning something new, they hit kind of a speed bump, and then as a parent, it's hard to know when to push them, to encourage them, or when to let go. Any advice on that? Um, this is Deandra. You know, that's a tough one, and um, I think my parents to just enough of encouraging so that we wouldn't get, you know, there's times where things get difficult and you, you know, you don't play very well or you enter a competition and you don't win and you get discouraged. And so my parents, I think, were so supportive and they would always try to bring out the positive, like, you know, look how much you learned and look how far you grew and, you know, look how much better you are because of this. And so I think with that positive um, feedback at home um, that we were able to get through those tough times. And the crazy thing about the five of us is that, you know, once we reached, each of us became a teenager, we had to make that decision of, you know, devoting our life to music and each one of us singly made that on our own. So I think, you know, that, that makes our family just a little bit more different. But there's only so much that the parents can really do. But at the young age, they're so, they need to be so involved in helping in that process. Are you glad that you homeschooled, and would you uh, homeschool your own children? Uh, this is Desiree. You know, there's a lot of benefits from homeschooling. Um, I was able to explore a lot of other things because I was able to have the time. In homeschool, you can get a lot more done in a lot less time, it seems like, as compared to public school. Uh, so I would read a lot on my own and explore. But, you know, it's it's not for everyone. I think it's important for a family and for the kids themselves to be quite self-motivated because um, I've, I've seen some kids who, who do homeschooling. It doesn't quite work out because it's hard to stay motivated on top of things and they fall behind. So if you, if you have a strong motivation and a desire to do it, I think it can work. But each family needs to kind of figure that out on their own. And this is Deandra. Um, we realized um, right away when we got to Juilliard how many homeschoolers actually were there. Um, because I guess because of the whole process of homeschooling, they were able to devote a lot of time to their craft. And so there were, there were a lot of dancers, a lot of musicians who had, you know, gone to the top of their fields already um, just because of being given more time. But, I mean, we came from a big family, so homeschooling worked well for us because we still, you know, had each other. But it might not work so well for, you know, like a, a, a single child. You know, we have, it, it's, there's just different circumstances for everybody, like Desiree was saying. Uh, homeschooling is so fast. That's why you see a lot of young 
of actors and Olympic athletes who are homeschooling because they can get high school studies done in four hours a day and elementary in an hour a day and have more time, like you said, for their craft or their sport or whatever it is their passion is. Exactly, exactly. Let's open up and take some more questions. Hannah, thank you so much for um, asking those questions. That's really excellent. We can take the next question, please. Thank you. I can I can see the call coming down. You'll have to press star six to unmute your phone to ask the question. There we go. Do you have a question for the five browns? I have a question. There we go. Yes, please. Yes, I was just wondering, um, how do you keep your children motivated in piano playing? We go through stages of they're on the piano for hours in a day, uh, on a day, and then all of a sudden it's, um, I don't know, there's too many other maybe Activities that are interesting, more interesting. <laughs> how do how do they how do you keep focused? Um, this is Deandra. Um, you know, I've had lengthy discussions with um, the parents of my own students about this, and there's a few things that we've realized along the way. Um, if they can get the majority of their practicing done in the morning, or at least a good portion of it, they're more fresh. Um, even though it's first thing in the morning, they might be a little more tired, but they're much more tired after coming home from school, and then they've got, you know, homework and extracurricular activities and friends and all this stuff. And so and so um, with homeschooling, even if you can try to get it done in the first part of the day so that by the time, um, you know, everyone else gets out of school around 3 or 4, they can be outside enjoying, you know, the afternoon with their friends. So just try to make it part of your schedule where you set aside specific time and, you know, it has to be done at that specific time. Otherwise, you know, things that are in the afternoon can't happen. And that's how it was for our family. It's like we knew that if we were going to go outside and play with our friends, by the time they got home from school, we had, you know, all these responsibilities that we had to accomplish. So that was how it worked best for our family. Um, this is Lisa. I was going to add to Deandra, the, I'm the mom. But anyway, um, I made it more of a goal-oriented uh, situation for practicing than with time necessarily. So if you're putting out little goals, small goals when they're young, of accomplishing this much or learning this much of a piece of music or learning this one scale and then going and listening to it, checking up and seeing how they're doing, then, okay, now you can go out and play. And so by making small goals and bigger goals as they go, they can accomplish quite a bit in a day. Even if it's not in one sitting, they'll come back and accomplish another goal. And so by the end of the day, you've got everything done by having several goals accomplished that go with each kid's ability and what other things might be distracting or what other activities are in their life. And how do you find the right teacher for your child? I think that uh, one of the reasons my uh, young daughter quit playing the piano is she um, kept asking. I had a teacher that was too strict for her uh, gentle soul. And I found out about it because she kept saying, oh, Mom, please sit in the lesson with me. I said, why, honey? Why don't you just want me to drop you off? She said, oh, the teacher's nicer to me when you're there. So it was kind of a, a red flag. And the teacher wasn't mean at all, but sometimes homeschoolers aren't used to being 
um, yelled at by their teachers or what they perceive as being yelled at. So how do you find the right teacher for your child? How can you tell? Do you know what to look for? This is Gregory. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, I mean, I guess as a parent you would probably have to just sit down with the teacher at, um, early, early on and talk about um, not just about your kid's musical abilities, but just about your kid in general so that um, they can, that teacher can get to know um, how your child works best and, and um, a little bit more about your child. And then you'll probably be able to understand a little bit more about that teacher as well while, while you're talking to them and understand how they work as a teacher and, and maybe even talk to a couple of their students and see um, how they like the teacher and what they think of that teacher. Um, it's a tricky process. It's definitely something that you'll want to not just, you know, jump onto one teacher just because it's the first one you, you heard of, but uh, shop around a little bit and, and ask questions, and uh, I think that's probably pretty important. Did you all have the same teacher? Uh, this is Melody. Uh, yes, actually. Um, our first teacher in Houston, Texas, uh, she was the one who really instilled in us a love for the music, and I think that's really, really important in the first years of taking um, any sort of music instruments, is that it, you're, what you want is to feel like you have a passion for the music. And our teacher was so good about uh, working with children, telling them stories, and, and getting them so involved in the music. And I think that's something to definitely look for in a first teacher. And then gradually through the years, you know, we changed to another teacher in Utah, and she was much more technically minded and very much into perfection, which really got us to a point where we needed to be in order to get into Juilliard, where following that, we all studied with the same teacher at Juilliard. And she was sort of a combination of the two, much more of a mentor and, and let us um, know how we could do the music and, and gave us freedom in interpreting and creating in our minds and, and giving us validation and different things like that for our own ideas. And so it was really important, all of these different teachers at different points in our lives. So maybe starting with a more gentle teacher in the beginning and then um, finding someone who may be um, stricter if the child really wants to perfect their craft? And that, that's how it worked for us. I mean, it, it could be different for others, but that's, that's, it worked for us. <laughs> and so what is your next project coming up then? Um, this is Desiree. We just have a, a very full touring schedule. We're going to be, uh, we got back from Japan in the fall. We toured Japan and Korea. We're going to be going to Mexico, like my dad was saying. And um, we, So I think up, up ahead in our touring schedule, we're going to be all over the world and all over the country, and that's kind of where we are right now. And this is Deandra, and we're starting you know, to get more concerts with um, the five of us in orchestra, You know, doing different concertos and different things. And we're in the process of getting a, concerto um, uh, written for us for five pianos and orchestra. So in the next year to two years, um, we'll be premiering that, which will be really exciting. So we've got some cool things on the horizon, and we hope to just keep challenging ourselves and having a good time. Are you working on a fourth CD? Um, this is Deandra. Um, since the third one um, came out just recently, the natural process is, is that um, we start talking about the next album. Um, nothing's been set in stone yet, so um, hopefully we'll... We'll get you know the logistics figured out soon, and we'll start moving forward. And you have some excellent music videos on your website. My children all love going to that. Can you give us the address for that? Uh, yes, this is Ryan. Um, uh, yeah, our website, thefivebrowns.com, with the number uh, five, uh, has a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that you can check out. Uh, has blogs that uh, a lot of us try to keep up on, and uh, we also has a bunch of YouTube video links to YouTube videos. 
uh, a piece that Gregory plays by uh, as a solo, a soloist with his hands and feet and stuff like that. It's pretty crazy, a lot of fun. And then uh, it's also it has our tour schedule as as well that you can check out, um, so you can see our concert dates and see if you can make out some of the concerts as well. So yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that you can do um, on the interactive side as well. So yeah. I loved it when you had the five pianos in a circle on the beach. It was beautiful. Oh, this is DeAndre. I know it does look like the beach, right? But it's actually the salt flats out there in Utah where they race a bunch of the car racing. And so it, it was a really amazing experience for us. So we're glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> well, good. Let me repeat that web address. It's www.the, and then you can put in either the number 5 or you can spell out F-I-V-E, and then B-R-O-W-N-S. Dot com. So the5browns.com for their CDs, their concert schedule, and to watch these beautiful uh, music videos right there streaming them from your computer screen. So I thank you so much for your time today. That was wonderful. And you're right, it worked out just fine having lots of people to interview. You, you do so many of these, <laughs> I can tell you're used to them. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much for your inspiration, and we all wish you the best of luck on your tour this year and look forward to hearing more great things about you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. <laughs>